But I'm tempted to start the interview by speaking to you and asking how your last few months in the top job as ESCOM chairperson has been treating you. Seems as though you've gotten a lot done in a rather short period of time. I had an advantage because uh, I, I was uh, I did not come from nowhere. Mm-hmm. I was already a member of the ESCOM board, and and in that in that capacity as the member of the ESCOM board, I was also chairing a, a very important committee there, which is called the Business Operations Performance Committee of the board. Mm-hmm. And and through that, I also I was part of the team that was tasked to look and find the new CEO. So when I was then asked to step up as uh, the ESCOM's uh, chairman, uh, it was not some, it was not uh, unfamiliar territory. It was, I was working on things that were, you know, I've been working on already. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that makes a huge difference because there's institutional knowledge, there's continuity, uh, and of course, a fulfillment of the process and mandate uh, that speaks to the overall job that the board uh, uh, is overseeing. And maybe let's start there, just in terms of understanding the process of, of looking for uh, a CEO for ESCOM. I understand you had over 400 applications to look through. Yes, we had a lot of people that that applied for this job. You'd think that uh, it's, it, it was not going to be as popular, but it was. Yeah. Uh, but if you if, immediately you double click though, you you immediately uh, are able to remove a number of those names because they did not qualify. Uh, and what, what is it the qualifying that, criteria? So what is it that we're looking for? Uh, we're looking for a number of things. One, it has to be somebody that is technical uh, with an engineering background. So that's the first important thing. And to have also a business uh, degree, like an MBA was something that was preferred, uh, but not necessarily uh, something that everybody should have. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it, it, you, you need to have an ability to or demonstrate that you have worked in turnaround situations. ESCOM, mm-hmm. uh, as you can see, I mean, it is a turnaround situation. And then third, uh, it's all about people. You know, uh, at the end of the day, you may be this great leader, but if you cannot connect uh, or inspire or, or drive the employees of ESCOM, uh, we're not going to go uh, anywhere. So we needed somebody also who could demonstrate that wherever he or she has been, uh, this person has been able to rally the troops, work with them, inspire them, and also in some cases, because things sometimes do not go right, mm-hmm. can demonstrate that you can take uh, the, you can be hard, uh, you can hold people accountable, you can sometimes let people go, you know. And last but not least, uh, you, you, we are in an environment where there's been corruption, there's been fraud, there's been state capture. Uh, somebody who can demonstrate as well that he or she can deal decisively uh, with issues related to corruption. Mm -hmm. So when we put all of these candidates through this, only a few emerged out of this and, and then ultimately became that leading candidate that we then handed over three candidates. We call them appointable candidates. We handed them over to, to government Mm -hmm. uh, to, to finalize the process and he was one of our he was actually our preferred candidate then 
Uh, I was then asked uh, to join the the government panel uh, to bring in the insight from the board as they were finalizing the process. And uh, we finalized the process about uh, about a week or so ago. Yeah. 100%. I'm keen to understand the names that were initially submitted, as you say. Uh, we do understand that there were some headlines about uh, frustration, perhaps from the shareholder being government, uh, about the initial recommendations. Was Dan Marokane's name within that list, perhaps? Yes, I can confirm that Dan was uh, part of that list. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we can, I can also communicate is that we, we submitted only one appointable candidate in the initial round uh, when the memorandum of understanding actually asks for three appointable candidates. Uh, you may ask the question, why? Why did you do that? Uh-huh. Uh, what, we, we were trying to balance uh, between speed on making sure that we've got a person uh, that can run the company uh, versus uh, compliance, but we actually you know, on advice of the department, uh, we realized that we should comply. Uh, and the reason why we ended up in this situation is that, for example, I'm just going to mention one example. One of the appointable candidates mm-hmm. that we had, he then received uh, an offer in, in Canada and he ended up taking a, a, a CEO job in Canada, you know, and 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 we decided instead of starting from scratch and let us, you know, give the minister the names that we had uh-huh. and, uh, with, uh, and the rest is history. You know what happened. 100%. Uh, speaking of, uh, of course, moving with speed, I do see that according to the statement, Mr. Marokane will uh, officially take the helm uh, just before the end of March next year. Help us understand the preparation that's uh, underway at the moment to ensure that once he is in the executive role, he will be adequately supported in order to fulfill the mandate and maybe give us some clarity on what his mandate will be. Yeah, so it is critical that uh, Dan is supported and he needs to land in an environment that that is conducive uh, and, and, and land him in such a way that he can be successful and be able to deliver on what we, we expect of him. So one of the things that we had to do, uh, for example, is Friday, uh, we called all of the senior leaders of the business uh, we we we, uh, we we inform them of of this development, the appointment of Dan. We walked them through how he became the the person that we chosen and why, and 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 we helped them to understand everything so that so that they, there are no questions. And and that session as well, it was an open session where they could ask us questions, and indeed they did ask questions. Mm-hmm. There were two things that came out uh, out of that session uh, for me, uh, the comments that were coming from from the senior managers of ESCOM, how they respect Dan, how they were excited to be having somebody like Dan uh, 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 being the lead, their leader who's going to be taking them forward, how much they, they, they were worried that they would have to be teaching somebody once again about ESCOM and, and they, they want to move things forward and they feel that then is that person. So that's the first thing. The second thing that they, they shared with us mm-hmm. is how the acting uh, CEO uh, really stepped up 
and was able to steer and and the ship uh, in, in in the absence of of course a uh, you know when uh, uh, when andre left yes and and he stepped up and was able to to drive the business so those were the key two important messages and uh, what i like about all of that is that uh, Caleb is going to go back to becoming the CFO of the company mm-hmm. and then will be coming in. And we will, you know, all of the, you know, them working together is such a good thing because, you know, again, you have a team of people that understand the environment. You won't lose any institutional knowledge as mm. you go forward. But us as the board, uh, my responsibility in particular my responsibility is that one of what I call uh, giving Dan the air cover. Yes. He needs air cover. Uh, he needs to concentrate on focusing on what we brought him here for and not be having to fight any things uh, from the outside. Yes. Uh, it is our job as the board to protect him from that. And, and that is our commitment to him. 100%. Babunyati, always a pleasure speaking to you, sir. Truly appreciate the insight and the detail that you've given us into this conversation. If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za.